The first day of June, we have Bill Baruch, the president of Blue Line Futures, joining us to talk financials. Bill, welcome. I want to get your thoughts on rates and uh, currencies. But first, your take on, uh, well, what's been playing out here in terms of the ES the past few weeks, a, a volatile past few weeks from something like up 8% to down almost 20% from the January highs. Uh, this what a market coming to grips with higher rates, Treasury Secretary that got it wrong, and inflation that has investors taking a step back, uh, and someone a uh, bit uncertain in terms of the future is going to look like? You know, it's this great question. I was actually sitting here writing a, a morning note to clients and, and really sort of talking about how in our research we, we put a bias out, turned cautiously bullish bias, maybe a few days uh, early, you know, in, in the market. But uh, we, we really walked people through this bottoming process. There, there was a Fed that got a little less hawkish through some comments last week and the week before. Um, you had a bit of seller's exhaustion. And you had Shanghai... Uh, also reopening. So there was a number of tailwinds that were brewing. And then there was the technicals. You had a very beautiful inverse head and shoulders. You had the uh, in the S&P as well, the NASDAQ. And that, that red shoulder built out in the second half of last week and responded. Um, and then we, we really kind of break, broke through some trend line resistance. I, I feel a lot of people, um, you know, they call it a bear market rally, you know, whatever it is. It, it's I think a lot of people were off sides. And uh, you're seeing money kind of flow in. You're seeing shorts covering. Um, but one thing we've been hitting on here for our clients is monetizing the move. And, you know, whether you're a trader, monetizing the move means just maybe watching a few rounds, getting out of the, the long futures you may have had, um, or at least defining what risk you now have on the table. Um, maybe we get a move up to the 50-day moving average. I'm not calling this really, you know, a bear market rally. I think there's, you know, some staying power potentially here. But still, you have to have that game plan. Monetize your move. Even on the wealth management side, I'm you know starting to raise about two and a half to five percent cash. You know we really had about zero cash, um, you know building into some positions you know, through the last week. So, uh, you know it's all about sticking to your game plan and, and like I said, monetizing things. Bill, I like that. How much of that is dependent on rates pulling back because we've seen them come off a little bit recently. Uh, that's probably a big part of why the Nasdaq's been able to rally off of recent lows ultimately, and even the dollar. Uh, has come off. I mean, uh, Yellen made it very clear, though. She said there could be some more shocks along the way. Yeah, you're right. There's a, it's still a sticky situation out here. And, you know, I think rates are, are were definitely a key driver here. You saw the 10-year pull back yields, yields down to, what, 2.7 or so. We're back up to near 2.9. Uh, the yield itself is pushing through the 21-day uh, moving average on the 10-year. Uh, sorry, the futures are pushing through the 21-day moving average. I think the yields haven't quite yet. But if you start seeing weakness in, in the Treasury space, um, you know, that, that could get people nervous here in the near term. And, um, you know, we got non-farm payroll coming up. So there's a lot of data to really digest, not to mention we, we have quantitative tightening. I mean, it's arguably quantitative tightening. They're not deliberately selling off these bonds, but they're going to start letting these mature. I think June 15th is when some of these bonds start maturing and the Fed does not reinvest those proceeds. So we still have, a, you know, a sort of a, a really sticky situation. I, I think it all really relies on, though, what do we hear from these Fed members? And, you have St. Louis Fed uh, President uh, Bowler later today. If he starts taking more of a hawkish tone, we heard from Fed Governor Waller. Mm -hmm. He was a bit more hawkish that, mm -hmm. that we're not going to see, you know, they're not going to pull back from 50 basis point hikes just after the next two meetings. But he is expected to be like that. So is Bullard. What does their tone do? Does it does it sort of, you know, get the tenure back above 3% and, and put the uh, the tech space back on ice? That, you know, so that's, those, those are the type of things that we're, that we're watching very closely as we lead in the non-farm payroll. 
Uh, talk to me a little bit about, uh, well, here we actually have a look at, as you mentioned here, rates, uh, treasuries. This is the futures contract, which has come off recent lows back to the 50-day moving average. You said uh, above that 21-day. I wanted to point out yields ultimately reflection thereof. Again, with the futures coming off recent lows, you can see how yields, rates have come off recent highs. We have the 30 up to 3.27, the 10-year up to 3.27. One six. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier in the show about some of the Shanghai lockdowns um, uh, being lifted and in terms of what we're seeing in Hong Kong. What's the impact of that on currency markets, the dollar, for example, rates, I mean, and financials in general? Yeah, you know, you know, I watched that uh, U.S. dollar, CNH, the, the Chinese yuan against the U.S. dollar. I think you have to be watching that. And, and it's come off the recent highs. The, the U.S. dollars weakened off the recent highs against mm -hmm. the yuan. Um, that's I think that's helps stabilize you know the the overall you know global markets. Uh, metals certainly are not are not showing much. You're seeing gold lower. You're seeing silver lower here on the on the week. Um, but uh, I think the U.S. dollar as an index, I mean, is has been buoyed a bit as the yen has sold off quite pretty harshly as as the rates have moved back up. So again, you're seeing this sort of dynamic where um, you know the. the we're up near three percent, and rates rates are not rolling over. The treasuries are not not really significantly rallying. They're at least at least in a pause. And and but there's there's definitely some you know some everything sort of tied together. I think with Shanghai opening up, it was definitely a catalyst for for crude oil um, to to really sort of move through this range. And crude oil broke out above the one sixteen and a half level, which was the previous highs in the July contract, as well as sort of a, I think it was a six one eight retracement on the continuous chart. It was a pretty significant level it got out above, and you saw the spike yesterday, three and a half dollars as it moved through it. That's a, that's something that's going to that's going to really underpin rates higher. It's mm. going it's going to weigh on the treasury space too, as as it stokes that inflation narrative. So we could be in an area. One other thing to really watch is China opens up. If the if the you know, the global demand fears on on oil sort of um, you know don't don't fall apart here. If, if you know we talk about Russia more. More Russia won't hold to that production pact. We may hear more from OPEC tomorrow. If crude continues to rally and really break out from here, that's something that that's going to keep yields higher and could inversely hurt the equity market too. So again, a lot of dynamics really tied together. But that U.S. dollar rallies and, and rates rally, it's going to it's going to hurt the you know risk on space. Here's a look at that crude oil and the TNX, both of them very closely tied. Recently, earlier on the show, we were talking a little bit about RBOB. Speaking of closely tied to crude, obviously. Uh, historically, the two are, but it seems like recently RBOB's been leading a little bit, kind of feeding into some of those inflation concerns. Talk to us a little bit about how, you know, I mentioned we kind of had a lackluster session in the end of the month of May. Uh, overnight, as we look into the beginning of June, mostly range bound in the indices, as we seems like are in a bit of a holding pattern here now. Uh, awaiting some of the jobs data due out a little bit later on in the week. That's the major focal point, correct me if I'm wrong, Bill, as we head into the second half here right now. We want to see, again, uh, uh, you know, as there's some concerns about the economy in a higher rate environment, ho hopefully there will not be concerns raised about uh, the labor uh, conditions here because that's been one of the pillars of strength. And that's been one of the things the Fed's leaning on at this point. It is. I think we with the jobless claims tomorrow, we have non-farm productivity unit labor costs, I believe, too. So that's something that people are really beginning to watch very closely. Um, you know, what's where is there a wage price spiral? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so is what's the earnings growth on or the wage growth on on Friday? All really tied together. You know, it's it's sort of a really odd dynamic because because if if we really see the wage inflation pick up, it could you know be a, be a reason for the Fed to uh, to to get a little more 
hawkish. Mm. Uh, you know, at the same time, you know, you're seeing this gasoline prices, you know, tending to rise, and, and that's going to weigh on the consumer. So even though you might see wage inflation within the data, you know, there's going to be a really big chunk of the country that's that's not going to be able to, that doesn't have that sort of wage inflation, and then they're paying more on the gas. Uh, at the pump. So it's, it's again, it's a very difficult dynamic that, that the Fed is trying to thread this needle. But all of our, you know, our narrative really has relied on that April and May inflation data, it was never supposed to be an inflection point. It's really that, that June, July and August numbers that we get in July, August and September. So we have this bit of a window right now where I don't want to call it Goldilocks scenario because this isn't really, you know, anything great out there. But it is could be you know become a bit of a Goldilocks scenario. That's in, in, in markets or risk assets could elevate if, if yields stay stay tame. Um, but as we move into July and get that uh, June inflation data, you know it's going to be a Jackson Hole showdown in August. I mean, mm -hmm. you got these numbers that are going to be coming out, and if inflation doesn't dissipate, I expect it to. I mean, look at the PCE that that came out here for April last. Um, you know, for I think it was April's read here last week was um, 4.9%. So if we start to see inflation by the metrics that the Fed uses just dissipate a little bit, then then we could see a very bullish reaction in risk assets. But if it doesn't, then again, it's Jackson Hole showdown. We can see a very hawkish pivot uh, from the Fed that leads into that September meeting. Gives us something to keep an eye on uh, in addition to everything else. Bill, a uh, final thought here, and we'll let you get on your way as the Fed tries to thread that needle. I wanted to get your uh, opinion on the fundamentals behind this recent run-up in Bitcoin. We were just talking technicals before the break. Rick Ducati joined us uh, to identify some of the key levels to watch there. But what do you see behind the recent lift? Is this kind of just a uh, rising tide lifts all boats? Yeah, I, I actually listened to the segment. It was a really good discussion you guys had. And, and I saw that he pointed out the 21-day moving average. I, I love watching that. You know, when I'm, when I'm seeing where near-term momentum could begin shifting hands, um, something you know similar. The the uh, the S and P did not get above that 21 day moving average until it got you know since April 21st when it got above it at 40.38. So I continue to watch that 21 day moving average very closely. If Bitcoin can really get out above there decisively, there could be some some legs. But I mean, you got to look down the space here. I mean, Ethereum had a decent move, but something like Solana hasn't moved up so much here in the last couple of days. So you know, is it just Bitcoin kind of getting a reaction? And don't forget, it was the end of the month. So futures contracts do roll off at the end of the month. And I know, you know, as a longtime gold trader, you know, these end of the months can, especially like you're seeing a June expiration right now at the end of May, can create some volatility in, in the space. So I'm not sure how much of impact the Bitcoin futures are now having right. on just the broad Bitcoin market at the end of the month. I'm sure there's some people tightening some books up as well. So I, I think today could be and tomorrow uh, will be a pretty important um, you know, day to see where Bitcoin closes, at least the future session and kind of you know, hang, hang stable into the into the overnight and how it reacts to that 21 day moving average. Bill, I like that a lot. I didn't factor into that end of the month activity. I'd mentioned earlier in the show how the indices saw kind of a lackluster session in to close out the month of May. Maybe this is some short covering activity. We always talk about how in a bear market, uh, these rallies are strong, they're eyebrow raising, but short lived. And that's because, again, it seems like uh, the follow through to the upside amidst some of that short covering or uh, uh, you know, less initiative type opening position uh, trading. Follow through is just limited. So it gives us something to watch here, to say the least, as we are right on that 21 day moving average. Bill Baruch, appreciate you joining us here to Thanks. talk financial markets here. And while well, Bill's joining us from Blue Line Futures this morning.